this title, this sermon is God is Faithful. God is Faithful. Not so much maybe on a personal level uh, today, but I want to talk about his faithfulness. And uh, what a what a wonderful, wonderful God that we serve. If there was a better one, I'd direct you towards him. There's no higher God. There's no more faithful God than our God. There's no God like our God. We sing that song, there's no rock like our rock. <laughs> if there was, I wouldn't lie to you this morning. I would, I would tell you to go after that one, but great is the Lord, faithful is the Lord this morning. Amen. If you have your Bibles, want to go to, first I've got five, let's see, five, six stops here. Two, three, five stops. So, so if you have your Bible ready, if not, we always do on the overhead, but we'll be going to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and the ninth verse to start. Pick up a thought. Here in First Corinthians, the first chapter. In the ninth verse. Oh. God is faithful. Through whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Then, if you follow over to First uh, Peter, the uh, fourth chapter, and the nineteenth verse, First Peter, fourth chapter, and the nineteenth verse. So, as indeed the one suffering according to God's will, as to a faithful Creator. Let them commit their souls in well-doing. First John, back just a little bit. The next book, First John, the first chapter, ninth verse. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous. King James says, and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're not done yet. Go back, take a trip back to Thessalonians, the second Thessalonians, the third chapter, and the third verse. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish and will guard you from the evil one. The Lord is faithful. He will establish and guard you from the evil one. I want to go to just one more scripture, and it is in the first uh, Thessalonians, in the fourth chapter, and the uh, 23rd verse. Couldn't be the 23rd verse. It doesn't have 23 verses. The 16th verse, it is. 
No, and I think I've got the wrong wrong setting here. No, it's the fifth chapter. I'm sorry. There we go. The fifth chapter. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Anybody else here make mistakes? Probably not. 24th verse, fifth chapter. He who calls you is faithful, who will also perform it. He's faithful, and he will also perform it. Perform what? We go back to the 23rd verse. It says, and may the God of peace himself fully sanctify you and your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he who calls you is faithful. He will perform it. Lord, we thank you this morning, God, and uh, for another chance, another opportunity to just speak your word. It's what you've called us to do for many years. We've been preaching Jesus Christ. We've been telling, Lord, of the story of our faith. And again, this morning, we just direct everyone in this place. Lord, anoint us to direct them towards you. We're not calling people the echoes of Calvary. We're not calling people to our own person. But we are calling them to the person of Jesus Christ. And we ask you this morning that you would just lay that in every heart. Touch every life, Lord, as we talk about you being so faithful, Lord. Amen. 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 These scriptures, and the reason why I read them in the order and succession that I did, is these scriptures lay out like the perfect design of God's faithfulness, showed in four different ways. In those scriptures that we read, faithful in creation, faithful in salvation, faithful in preservation, and faithful in the culmination of all things. And so from the beginning all the way through, God is faithful. He's faithful. This word faithful, we draw it from the Greek word pistos, which just simply means what it says. It's trustworthy, reliable. It has loyalty mixed into it. And the best definition, of course, is what we get in the Scripture, faithful. A faithful God, a faithful Lord, one who is trustworthy. And I tell you this morning, it is not only just our experience, but of course the Scripture which teaches us God is so trustworthy. He never, ever has failed. He never, ever has come up short of doing what needed to be done. He's always trustworthy. Some folks trust in a lot of different things. There's a lot of things going on in our world right now, and people are making choices about who to trust and what to trust. We've come through a real hard time physically, this, this whole thing that they're calling a pandemic and all the rules and orders and different things that have gone on, uh, affecting our livelihoods, affecting you know, the way we shop, the way we travel, all the things about our life. And people are looking for something to trust. They don't know for sure. We can't really seem to trust uh, the, the doctors and what they're saying about this. One will say one thing, another says another thing. 
One president says one thing, another one says another thing, and politicians are everywhere all over the scale. We don't know who to trust. We don't know who to trust when it comes to what's going down. As far as the, the, the freedoms of our country, we don't know who, and it looks like, you know, that it's almost hopeless. But I want to tell you this morning to raise your hope up to a level that, that you're going to be okay because God is trustworthy, and he will take care, and he will provide and he will do what needs to be done for his kingdom and for his beloved sake. I believe God is reliable this morning. A lot of things are not reliable, but God is reliable. To define his reliability will always be an understatement. It sort of parallels that song, The Love of God. Some great words in this, in this song. Actually, the history of this song said that, that the writer heard an evangelist say this stanza. And this stanza of this song, And the Love of God, was taken off the writing on a wall in a mental hospital. And they don't know if possibly that person had uh, been touched by the Lord, but 1917, and so it's, it's framed kind of in old language. It says this, could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above, and I'm going to insert faithfulness, to write the faithfulness of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. In other words, you cannot pin down everything about God's love. You can't describe it, explain it, but let me also include faithfulness. There is no way to describe all of God's faithfulness. If you wrote it in volumes and every man was a scribe writing, it could not contain the fullness of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. He's faithful in creation. And I want to go back a little bit because it's something that we teach and preach and you don't want to get too sidetracked here this morning. I can get on a hobby horse now and again and kind of wander a little bit, but, but I want to stay in this whole thought of faithful, faithful in creation to follow the very precepts and the original plan of which he laid down. And I think there's a reason for this. If we, if we go through uh, time and go through God's order, we'll see that he stuck very close to, to his original plan, in fact, perfectly. Genesis, the first chapter, and John, the first chapter, Genesis 1 and 1 and John 1 and 1, they combined together, and John looked back at Genesis, and, and Moses had said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and, and John amplifies that a little bit to talk about not just the creation itself, but also why that God did create in the beginning. The first thing you must believe, I said this, I think last week the scripture said, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. The present tense of, 
of I am. He is. He is. He is what he says he is. He is God Almighty. If you have a doubt about creation, if you have a doubt about God's power, if you have a, a doubt about God's plan, you're not going to be able to receive what is in this scripture about him. You have to look at him as being all-powerful, almighty, all-creative, all all-thought process that is above and elevated beyond where we're at. Can the church say amen to that? And so John looks back and he says, he says, in the beginning was the logos of God. And I know that your Bible says word there, but the Greek word is logos. And the word logos doesn't simply mean just one single word that Jerome put in there into the Vulgate in 400 using that word to single purpose as, as though there was a person named word. But rather, John looks at this and says, in the beginning, God just didn't go out and do anything. He didn't just shoot off the hip, but God planned and purposed and put together the, the plan of creation, and his plan of creation was, was in the thought and mind and heart of God, in the reasoning of God. And this is this word logos. It doesn't just mean a word, but it is the thought and the purpose behind it, the, the concept of the thought, the, the, the reasoning and logic behind it. And so God sits down in eternity before there is a son, before there is an only begotten, before there is a world, before there is a universe, before there is matter that would crash together, as some believe. Before there was anything, before God spoke it into existence, God in himself, he determined what creation would be all about. The awesome thing about God is that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And He creates this universe for the earth. I know they're looking for, for life out on other planets, and, and I think they're getting close to, what is it now? What are they after, Mars? I think they're getting close to Mars. They want to see if there's life on Mars. You know, Why? I mean, that's a long ways away. It's not really going to affect us too much, right? But no, we got to see if there's life on Mars. And the reason why we do that is we really don't believe in the creation of God. Maybe something else happened. If we can prove that there was other life and other things, and, and, and man, maybe we can get to the UFO thing and all that garbage. When really, if we just simply receive that God... In his greatness and his faithfulness, God created the heaven and the earth. John looks at this thing and, and, and he begins to preach, begins to teach about God's principle, about there was nothing that was created that was not in the logos and the reasoning and mind of God. There was nothing that was created. And, and he begins to step it out as it came out. It was always the thought and process of God. And I like this because it's not, again, just shooting off the hip and creating a thing and, and then reacting to that and creating something else. But God planned and purpose. He knew what he was going to do. And he formed this thing. And he, he caused this to support the life that would be coming. God did a thing. And I want to call it this way. God masterminded this thing called Project Humanity. God 
had a project that he, what do you think God was doing in eternity? What was he doing? We kind of reckon that everything started with us. That at the beginning of us, that that's kind of where God started. No, no, God is eternal. Uh, I don't know what he, we're not privy to what he did before Project Humanity, but, but this thing, Project Humanity, he put it together and he made it and he formed it for what would come in Christ Jesus, for the Son that would come. And it has and it will stay on perfect course because God is faithful to his creation. This thing's going to be here as long as God has intended for it to happen. Amen. Uh, nuclear warfare will not erase what God says is going to stand. Pollution will not uh, inhibit what God said is going to take place. Can you say amen to that? And so even though we don't like pollution, really God still owns the heaven and the earth. It belongs to him, and God watches over it to protect his design in the earth. The preceding plan of God that started in the beginning takes precedence over every generation, over every government, over every society or culture and every agenda that has ever risen. God's preceding plan takes precedence. And so what the world does and what the world causes and what the world can be and certain powers and things that they, they're able to do with armies and weapons and, and courts and prisons is how the countries of this world will enforce their positions. But God enforces his position this way. He is faithful. And what he designed and what he purposed it will come to pass undeterred by any other power or strength. Can you say amen? He regulated the affairs, secondly. He regulated the affairs of the world to bring in the plan of salvation. Well, you know, it just, the cosmic lineup and then it all happened. No, no, no. God, he directed it. And can you see the Lord at the beginning? And it's going to be 4,000 years. 4,000 years of a lot of different things. 4,000 years of governments coming and going, of people rising up and falling away. 4,000 years that in that time there was a flood where God erased almost all humanity. But because of his faithfulness, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Because the plan and purpose must go on. And it looked like the destruction of humanity was, was probably going to happen. But, but not really because Noah found grace. God gave grace. And, and so at the appointed time, 4,000 years, God, God allows the earth to progress. He allows things to come to order. And then after 4,000 years, I like what the scripture says, and the angel Gabriel, it says in Luke, the angel Gabriel was sent by God. It came a time 
When God said, now is the moment, tremendous, because God is faithful. They were looking for the Christ, and, and they didn't find the Christ, and many of them died not knowing when the Christ would come or where. They died in the faith looking forward to Christ, and it didn't happen, and years and years rolled on and on, and finally, I think they were feeling like there never will be a time when the Christ will be here, but suddenly, it's God's timing. Suddenly, God is faithful, and though it looks like Christ will never come. It looks like salvation will never come. God sends the angel Gabriel at the appointed right time. Oh, yes, he, he works with the affairs of men so that he can line it up. But when it is time, Gabriel is sent by God to a city of Nazareth to a virgin girl named Miriam. And it was just the fulfilling of God's faithfulness once again. He had already promised it. He had already put the plan into order. This was what creation was about. It was because of him and for him and through him and by him and you and I are for his pleasure that we are created this morning. God had created it for Christ, the entrance of Christ, for that time when God would become flesh and dwell among men. For that time of what we take a, a Latin term, the incarnation of God. And it wasn't on accident, and it wasn't by the way, and it wasn't because Israel failed, and Israel was God's chosen people, and they failed, so he had to go to plan B. No, Jesus Christ and the incarnation of God in flesh is plan A. That is God's purpose. It always was his purpose. It was the purpose of creation. And it is the purpose of the fulfilling of the faithfulness of our God. And listen, what God starts, he finishes. Can you say amen? Now to tell on myself, I sometimes, somebody said the other day, and they're right. I've moved out of a lot of houses, and we've lived in and sold, and on the way out, I'm finishing things. Oh, yeah, I forgot that piece of trim. Oh, I was going to fix that over there, and I never did do it. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, I look at myself and say, well, I get the bulk done. Can you say amen? Okay, I get it ready, you know. We're, we're almost 99.9% ready to go. And then, but God leaves nothing undone. He is completely faithful to his plan and his purpose. That makes me excited about the future. He hasn't thrown us out here and just left us. And we got three quarters of the way through this thing, and, and where's God at? You know, he's not in this thing anymore. We're just doing it ourselves. No, God is going to finish what he starts. And I love this one. It said, he that began a good work in you, he will complete it. He will complete it. Can you say amen? And he is working on the completion in each one of us. He that has begun a good work in us, and thank God it's him who's begun the good work and not me. Because sometimes I'm going to get 90% done and say, that looks good. But God is always going to go to the finish line, and he's going to the finish line in my life and in your life, and he is fixing us as we speak this morning. 
Why do you think that you need to go to church more than one time? Couldn't he just dump it on us? We got to church, we hit the altar, and God just dump it on us. That's good, you're good, ready to go. No, because the work that he's doing in us is a progress. Salvation, the beginning, the beginning of our salvation. The beginning of our salvation. And Paul says later, how much more your salvation is closer to you than when you first believed. In other words, salvation itself is the finished completion of our life. And during that time that we yield to him to the time that we're called to glory, he is working his work in our life. And he's establishing this, this, this one who is the author and the finisher. He isn't just the starter of things. He isn't just the author of things. And a lot of times we look at him as just beginning some things. But I want to let you know this morning, he is going to finish everything that he has started and so God, in his faithfulness, it's because he is faithful that he will finish what he started. And we look at this author and finisher in the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If we look at the him, he was born, and he lived, and, and he conducted his messianic ministry. He laid down his life as a sacrifice for you and I. He died. He was buried. He was resurrected. He ascended to glory. And yet, to be finished, he will come the second time without sin unto salvation. He's not done yet. God's not done yet. Can you say that with me? God's not done. He's faithful. He's not done with us. He's not done with his plan. Because he is faithful. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, the 4th chapter and the 16th verse, we were there accidentally a few minutes ago, and the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. I'm looking forward to that. The Lord himself shall descend. He's not sending somebody else. Just like I do not believe that he sent somebody else for the work of salvation. But it was God himself. It was God in flesh. And the second time the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And those that are dead, they shall rise. And we that remain shall be caught up with him. If that were to happen today. If not, we'll go to the grave. But the says God is going to finish this thing I don't preach a lot about end times and second coming and, and all of those aspects of the end times I think sometimes we get our we get our vision set on that and we start looking at the Bible for, for, for things to prove which day I was a little kid when they started telling me who the, the false prophet and the 666 and the Antichrist and all that stuff was man we've gone through a bunch of them and uh, they may well have been. But almost getting lost in that thing, I don't have time for that. I have to fix my eyes upon the one who is faithful this morning. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ. 
I'm looking for the one who touched me, and I'm going to touch him. Can you say amen? The time in between his ascension, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, where he is above all things, and the time of his second, what we call second coming or reappearing, the Lord himself descending. There's a time in between there. And I've got to know that that's where he's faithful. I believe in his creation faithfulness. I believe the world is on order and pattern according to what God has already purposed. And I believe that the Lord died and was buried, resurrected, and ascended. I believe that. But the time in between from that time until his appearing is where we're at. And they, they call that, classically call it the church age. And it's that age where we're waiting, but yet we're living in expectation. So many references in the scripture looking for that blessed appearing of the Lord. And we could take that in two ways. We can take it as, oh, and I believe God appears in every generation. I believe God appears into every church that's hungry for him. I believe the Lord appears. Not, we don't see physically, but the Lord is constantly appearing. But he's faithful in this time, and, and, I, and I label it preservation, um, there is a doctrine of preservation of the saints, and I'm not, I'm not promoting that this morning. The doctrine of the preservation of the saints is a once saved, always saved theology, which we don't teach in this church because the Scripture doesn't teach that. We teach in a daily walking, progressing, living for Jesus Christ every single day in your life, taking up your cross and following Jesus. Not a one-time prayer and then we're going to have this uh, preservation of the saints then because we made some kind of a declaration of salvation and then God's just going to carry it through for us and no matter where we go and what we do, everything's good and it's all going to turn out rosy. I don't believe that doctrine, but I do believe that God is preserving. For one thing, He's preserving His plan. It will go on. And now if we go to, to Matthew 16, we'll find the heart of the Lord. And the heart of the Lord in this era from the time of his ascension to the time of his return is based upon this one thing that Peter made in declaration to the Lord. Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Thou art Peter, but upon this rock, the rock of declaration, Upon this rock, I will build me my church. The time between when he left and when he returns again, God is still faithful. He's not just faithful in creation. He's not just faithful in the prophets. He's not just faithful in the coming the first time, being born in Bethlehem of Judea, as the prophets had said, and dying on the cross as the prophets had taught. But he is faithful in his church. God is with us. You can say, well, we show up every Sunday morning. 
and we sing the songs and we encourage one another and then we come in on Wednesdays and we have teaching and, and we love it and, and it's good, but you know, where is the Lord? Sometimes it just seems so mechanical. Can you say amen? Have you ever felt like this is, this is mechanical? I feel like I'm just doing it, but really, you know, I, I don't know if I'm really receiving anything. I don't know, I, you know, I'm, but I'm going to do it because I know what's right and I know what's good. And, and, but I want to tell you this, the Lord is faithful. I want to encourage you in something this morning. Going to church and being in the fellowship of the saints is right before God and he is faithful in it. And God, our Lord, he said, he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there is where I'm going to be in the midst of them. And I want to tell you this morning, whether you feel him or not, the Lord is in the house this morning, and he is faithful. He's faithful to be here. So, well, man, I'll tell you what, maybe we're here on a Wednesday and the Lord didn't show up. Maybe we we're just here in a prayer meeting and, and God didn't come by because, you know, it's just a few of us here anyway. And that's why Jesus just brought it down to two or three. You can't gather singly, but you can gather with two and three and five and 10 and 20 and 50 and 100. And when you come together under his name, he is building his church. He's here this morning to build his church. That's what he's doing. That's what his process is. He is faithful, faithful in it. You think about the things the church has gone through. Let's talk about the greater church, the general church that Peter spoke to, the general believers of the faith. And think about the things that they begin to go through, and God is, he has shown himself to be faithful. I want to think about a little bit about the early church who were abused. They were persecuted. And the word persecuted there doesn't mean just, you know, that they were uh, uh, physically abused, which they were. But that word persecuted means to be constant under attack under duress. They're being chased. They're being pursued. Why? Because the enemy wants to wipe out the church. Because in God's great plan, we all come, the Old Testament comes in, the veil comes down, and, and those that are before us come into us, and, and then those that have believed in Christ, we all become one part in. And this is the glory of the Lord. This is Project Humanity. Project Humanity is not about putting people on the earth so they can discover who they are. Putting people so they can figure things out and be able to do great things. And, and there's some things that just, just boggle my mind that humanity is able to do. But that is not why God has created us. He's created us for his pleasure, for his church, for his body. And so this intention of Jesus to build the church is going to stay on and stay on and stay on. Under persecution, the church will stay on. Can you say amen? From what I understand, the church in China is greater now, 
bigger now than it ever was. I mean, they're under persecution of death, imprisonment, but yet the Word of God is more powerful, it's greater, it's stronger, and God is faithful in China and Russia and places where, where they are being chased and hounded and, and done away with and put in prison. Still, God is faithful. His church will survive. Can you say amen? His church will go on. And so early persecution, early persecution did not display the believers trusting in the Lord. I think of Paul, and I talked about him a little bit last week. Paul, as Saul, before he became an apostle, swore out to annihilate the church. He attempted to shut the doors. He attempted to stop them from having meetings. It was, he felt like God had called him and and really he's fighting against the very thing that God loves and he finds that on the road to Damascus. But, But what if Paul had been successful? What if he was able to arrest all those early Christians and put them in prison and have them executed. What then? Now think about that a little bit and then just go to the road to Damascus because God is faithful. He's going to take the very man who has sworn out to destroy the kingdom. He's going to take that man and use him to do more in the kingdom than anyone has ever done to this point Paul became one of the great workers of God in his kingdom because God is faithful. Can you say amen? In Acts, the 12th chapter, and it starts out this way. It said, and Herod, he put forth his hand to kill those of the church, and he slew James with the sword, and he arrested Peter and put him in prison and said that it was going to please the Jews if he kills Peter. And if Herod has his way, he would kill every one of the apostles. But God is faithful. And Peter down there in prison, the angel of the Lord comes to him. He's got a guard on each side of him and chained down. Herod means to kill him. And the angel wakes him up and says, put your shoes on, put your coat on. We're going out of this place. And his chains fall off of his arms and his legs. And they come to the first gate and it's guarded and they go through. And the second gate and it's guarded and they go through. God is faithful. If he was able to kill Peter, we would not have Peter's apostles, epistles rather, and we would not have the book of Mark. But thank God he is faithful. I love the books of Peter. Can somebody say amen? I love to read the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, which he got from Peter. And what if the apostle Paul was drowned in that shipwreck? What if he went down and God did not spare him? What happens then? I mean, you look at it and it just seems like, well, that couldn't happen. It very well could happen. 14 days in the deep. Don't even know where they're at. The ship is being torn. It's falling apart. It's, it's wrecked now against the rocks. Paul says, I want everybody on this ship to listen to me. The angel of the Lord 
of whom I am stood by me this night. And he said, everyone that will stay with me is going to survive. Thank God he is faithful. We would not have the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and the book of Hebrews if Paul had drowned out there in the sea. But God is watching over his church. Somebody say amen. God is all about his church. He's all about it. In 70 AD, when when Titus came down to take Jerusalem, where Josephus said he slaughtered 11 or 1.1 million Jews and took 100,000 of them captive, he besieged Jerusalem and he set up trenches and he set up frames of woodwork and and ways that they could not leave but but just before he did that there was just a little time in which he regressed and when he backed off for just that little time the prophecy of Jesus came to pass pray not that your flight is in the winter and pray that you don't have little young babies because it is going to happen. There won't be one stone left upon another. And Titus is going to see to that. But God is going to see that Titus backs off. And during that time, the church that was in Jerusalem fled out and went to Pella. And they survived because God was faithful. He was watching over his church. Can you say amen? That's our God. He is faithful. To do what he has promised, he will carry out those things which he has set in order. What if in the 12th century, it's getting closer to us now. Hang on, I'm trying to get to 12. <laughs> I really got to stretch this out. Now I'm running out of material, right? What if in the 12th century, For 100 years, there was a thing called the Inquisition. And from the outside, it looked like that they were trying to persecute non-Christians. But on the inside, they were arresting Christians and taking them to the dungeons under the Catholic churches. I had a friend who was in Germany who toured many of the churches that were there, the old ancient churches, and underneath they had dungeons where they arrested Christians like you and I for no more than just believing that Jesus is Lord and just living your life that way and arrested, put on racks, cut apart, tortured, maimed, if the Inquisition was successful, they would have eradicated Christianity. That was the purpose. But thank God, He is faithful. The systems of this world will never be able to close out the church. The devil tried it this year. 
this past year, and you can look at it any way you want to. I believe there's more than just a physical thing going on. I believe there's a spiritual thing that happened, and the devil said, I'm going to shut them down. I will shut the doors of churches, but thank God we're here this morning. God is faithful. Can you say amen? God is faithful. And if we had to hide in backyards and if we had to go in garages and secret places and gather out in the woods somewhere, I want you to know this. I'm willing to do that because I believe God's church is in order. I believe that God's people congregate. Can you say amen? It's in our heart. It's who we are. It's part of us. We congregate because we love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get together and we worship and we talk about him and praise him to each other. Our God is so faithful. Hallelujah. If those refusing to put the scripture into the common man's hands and now we just go back to 1500s okay that's oh, that seems like a long ways away 1500s but I mean that's closer to where we're at 500 years ago people didn't have Bibles it was called the dark ages for a reason there was no light the only thing people received was what the priest told them. They couldn't go, most of them couldn't read and write anyway. Dark ages. And the devil tried that. If he could just keep them all subverted. And along come some men anointed of God. They said, we got to get this Bible into the language of the people. Get it out of the mystic Latin language and get it out where people can read it. And a man named William Tyndale, 1517, I think it was, God birthed something in his heart because God is faithful to his church. And William Tyndale knew that. The people couldn't read it for themselves and they were being lied to. I mean, if you look at, at the church in that day and, and if you were in England and even the Anglican church at that day was just as corrupt as it was all about power. It was all about religious power and you just did whatever the priest told you to do. But along comes William Tyndale and he said, if it costs me my life, I will put the scripture into common hands so that the plow boy he knows more than the Catholic scholar and he did it he, he interpreted the scripture and began to publish it and they hated him they, they set out after him he had to move from England couldn't live there and they finally got to him they chained him to a post and they strangled him there and burned him at the stake 
but they could not burn the word of God away. It had already been birthed. Listen, and what you have laying in your lap this morning, and you pull it open, and you can read it at any time. Don't forget about the sacrifice that that man made and other men made so that you might have the English scripture available so you can open that Bible like I did this morning and find out that our God is a faithful God. Our God is a faithful God. Oh, he's not just one that the priest is going to tell me about, but I've got the word of God myself and I can read it and I can know it and I can study it. And in fact, I can put it in my remembrance so that the word of God is so precious to me. Can you say amen? Wow. And now we're going towards the end just to give you hope. And he will return to culminate his plan. Because it's not finished yet. It's not done. So somebody might question, well, when is the end? It's the same thing about the birth. When God says, it's time. So now, I want to say, um, where was it? I just went by a billboard, a church billboard. We're studying the end times, boys, so you can know, you know, it's like, I'm going to live my life, and then all of a sudden, okay, the Lord's coming in 2022 in April, so, boy, I'm going to be ready for that. That's just exactly what the Lord does not want. So why would he reveal that kind of a thing? He's going to reveal Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if I live to be 80, I'm still serving him. Can you say amen? And my children live it and they live to be 80. I'm, I'm, I'm believing they're going to be serving the Lord and their, their children after them and their children after them because this thing isn't about, you know, we're going, to get, we're going to figure out when the end is. But when the Lord says it's the end, he's going to step out, finish it, wrap up the project. And one of the things he's going to do is abolish time. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. You don't realize how much you live on the clock. How many here this morning say, I, I set my alarm every morning? <laughs> I have to, you know. Either that or you're so smart that you wake up in time to go to work. You know? You're just brilliant. Your mind just does it. That thing goes, bop, bop, bop. You know, it used to be alarms. Now we have phones, right? How many times a day do you look at your phone and see what time it is? How many days of the month you're looking at, oh, boy, car payments. Oh, man. <laughs> I just paid that. How's payments due? Stuff due. Time, 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 time. I'm looking for a day because it is going to happen. When the Lord steps out and says, time shall be no more. Wow. That sounds really good to me. Especially you people that are getting a little older. A little gray around the edges. A little bacon on top. Time. Time's going to be, because the Lord is going to step out and finish the project. And Peter said the scoffers are, are like this. The scoffers are this way. Where is the coming of the Lord? See? Just like where is the coming of the Christ in birth? 
Where is the coming of the Lord? Everything's the same as it always has been. There's no coming. Peter said, wait, hang on. I I want you to know something. The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. It's not about your timing. It's about his timing. Can you say amen? And God is faithful. He will bring a conclusion to all things. And then I like this part. And and uh, Paul said, rather said, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Man, that's a good hope right there. Ooh. I know if I'm with him, everything's going to be good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so now I'm going to close. Um, I'd like to talk about and declare his faithfulness on a local level. Is that okay? I've talked about creation. I've talked about salvation. I've talked about preservation and the culmination. I want to talk about God being faithful just on the local level. And this is a story about us. All right? This is a story about Echoes of Calvary. Echoes of Calvary, friends, is just a name. It's just so we'll we'll know where to go. Right? So we have the, the shingle out there, and it says, Welcome to Echoes of Calvary, you know. It means nothing except for it's just a, just a name. And so I believe God is faithful to his church, big church. Everybody believes that. I believe God is faithful to local church. That's why I believe he's here when we meet. Amen. And so I want to talk about us for just a couple of minutes. We're only a small part of the global, global kingdom. And we are not the church in Anderson. I mean, this flourishing big town of Anderson. We're just a group of believers. But we're part of the kingdom. Now, we're not more important than any other church, any other Christian God-serving church. We're not more important than them. But we are just as valuable to the Lord as any other group that serves him. Is that fair to say? I mean, I just talked about the Chinese church and how God loves them, and God loves us just just the same as being part of his body. And so I see what God has done here. And so I'm going to talk just briefly about 25 years and actually 26 years. 2000, or excuse me, 1995. And we started church in the living room. And God is faithful. Amen. Amen. We have a great collection of saints in this house. And one thing I just love, hard-working men and women. Boy, I love people that work hard. (laughs) I love them. God does, too. He likes passionate people. He really doesn't. The lazy, he's not as, Lazy people make good, lazy Christians. So passionate. You know, when the Lord went out looking for his crew, he didn't go to the welfare office. He went out to the seashore. Look at some old, tough, calloused, kind of, you know, the language wasn't right, but he worked on that with them, you know, but, but he took some hard-working guys, and we got families in this church that God has blessed us with. I think about some of our families. The children of this church don't know anything else. They think this, this is the only church there is in the world. This is the only place they've been. You know, like, really. 
but then we have individuals also that don't have family here, and, and you are such a part of us, and we have elders in this church. God has blessed us with elders and ministers. Let me say this, the development of what God has done. I'm just talking this church here, and, and the church next door, God has to work with them. But this place, God has just blessed us with elders. Our ministers now, for the most part, are those who have come up through this church. And what great men and their families and their children. And God has blessed us. Can you say amen? All those with us that love the Lord and follow him. So, um, who was with us in our living room in 1995? I know James was. I know Rodney was. And I know Heather was. And Austin almost made it. He just slipped a little, <laughs> slipped a little bit. Carrie, no, she's later down the road. We were in the other church. Yeah, no. Kay was with us. Brother and sister Wilson, gone on to glory. Brother and sister Stenson, gone on to glory. That's about it. All right, Brother James? Brother James been with me a long time. 26 years, huh? You're not getting ready to quit, are you? Ruin my testimony here. Um, And uh, then we moved to the Chamber of Commerce in Cottonwood. And in the Chamber of Commerce there, uh, we helped build that building. uh, Roland Robinson built that thing. And and then I said, can we have church in there? Sure, yeah. You know, we rented it out. And we were having church in there for 16 months. We had church in there. Did anybody come while we were there, Melissa and Tom and Debbie and their kids? And, uh, I say Chelsea, um, Crystal. <laughs> I'm sorry, Crystal. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Her mom and dad, we were in that building, and then, uh, then we moved to the gym. The gym was built by this church, right, Brother Perry? The gym over there was built by the same group that built this church. And uh, we were there for, well, about 24 years. And so how many has been with us for 20 years? Just This is, you know, just a trial and error thing here. I don't want to get anybody in trouble or make anybody feel bad. Some of you are not 20 years old, so, yeah. Rodney just, well, 20 yeah, at Parker's 20, he made it. All right, the 20 left. You've got to get him a pen, you know. I've been there 20 years. <laughs> and then uh, how many has been with us? 10 years. 10 years, yeah. And then we have so many that have been with us since that time. God bless you all. In the summer of 2018, I'm going to talk about a minute about the faithfulness of God. In the summer of 2018, I got another call. We were in the gymnasium there. We had been there for 20-some years. The loan that we had there on that property, we never could convert it to a long-term loan. It was interest only. We had been paying that all those years, and we had, I calculated, close to a million dollars that we had paid, and I'm going to have to call it rent because anything else makes me sick. So, we were paying and paying and paying and paying. The, the original woman, is okay if I take a few minutes? It's 12 right now. 
And we're not going home. We're going in there to eat. So this is all part of it. The original woman that had loaned the money at the Pentecostal Church of God, and we took over the loan, had died or two sons inherited. They were both. They were co-owners of the mortgage. The one son called me in 2018 and said, I, I'm done. I'm I get my money. His daughter called me said, uh, Dad, he wants his money. I was in the middle of building uh, some projects, and you know, if you go down our street, we were building four, three or four houses at the same time down there, and working, and pastoring. And in my spare time, I was taking care of Kay. Uh-huh. So I said, listen, I am so busy. This is 2018. I'm so busy. Uh, the first of the year, I think we'll be done. And let me then pursue trying to refinance the property in the church and, and see if we can get a bank interested in finance. Say, okay, okay. So, so it was another six months or so, and, and then uh, I, I did one more time. We'd already tried to get financing years and years. We tried several times. At one time, Holly, my daughter, worked for a, uh, a man that did just exactly that kind of stuff. We went all the way through the loan, got to the end where the district had to sign on, and they wouldn't receive that, wouldn't accept it, so that got kicked out. I mean, this happened several times. It was just, there was just no end to it. And so I said, well, what are we going to do? We'll just go up to the bank one more time. We went to the bank one more time, and the guy said, you guys are in really good standing. I just told him our, you know, our, our, our financial condition. He said, you're in great standing. I said, yeah, we'll loan to you. I said, but PG&E, and PCG has to be on it. They're actually on the deed. And he said, well, that's a problem. He said, "Our uh, it's North Valley Bank. He said, we won't loan if they're on the deed. I said, well, great. This is just like before. So I go back and, and tell the, the Pentecost Church of God, and, and, uh, and I said, look, we cannot get financed. The man wants his money. He's done. Um, and they said, well, you can get financing. It didn't help us at all. It didn't help us at all. And so I says, well, Lord, what are we going to do? I said, I can't stay here. Let's start looking for places. We came over and, and with the Perrys, and they're here this morning. They, they slipped in here and thank them for being here. Came over here and looked at this church. And I went home and reported to our elders, uh-uh, we can't do it. It's just there's too much. I didn't think it would. You know, at that time, there's roof and just all the things that needed to be done. And, and I said, no, we, we need to look for something else. And during the meantime, it kind of just fell out further with, with the district and to the place where the superintendent wouldn't even talk to me anymore. And so I says, well, Lord, we're, we're done. I said, I guess we'll have to rent another church like Seventh-day Adventist. You know, you can rent them on Sundays because they don't have church on Sundays. And I thought, well, I don't know. We'll try that, I guess. And the Lord spoke to me. And I don't say this a lot. A lot of preachers say, ah, the Lord told me. No, the Lord actually literally spoke this into me. He said, it's okay. Don't get fretting. I've got a place for you. That's all he said. I've got a place for you. Okay, where's it at? <laughs> we looked at Anderson, commercial buildings, and, and you know, <laughs> and, and Rodney knows that we went through this, you know, and we're going through it with the elders, and 
And then, and, and then, the, then I just felt in my spirit, go back over there. Go back over there. And uh, went back over there. And God is faithful. Can you say amen? Um, these people that are sitting here this morning, the Perrys are actually those that uh, were left to take care of all the business of Faith Reformed Church. We came back over, talked to them. They were flexible and willing, and we struck a deal. We struck a deal. One of the things I said to them, I said, we're not paying no more interest. <laughs> we're a million in interest right now. We're not paying anymore. So I don't care how you designed this. So they carried the note, you know, and I, okay, carry the note. Just add into it whatever. Don't interest us. So, and, and they did that, and, and we were so thankful you were used. You know, I, I feel like you were used from the Lord. I know that they had their church here, but times changed and things happened, and, and so God opened it up, and we struck that deal. And, and so I come over here, and I say, now, Lord, how are we going to get this done? I'm looking at a lot of money to do what we wanted to do. And you can see, you know, all the things that we've done. And most recently, just remodeled the office. We're not done yet. I think we've spent over $100,000 in, you ever flip a church? <laughs> I mean, that's got to be on TV. <laughs> These guys going in, putting new furniture and doing a little paint, and they're flipping a house. No, no, no. No, let's talk about flipping a church. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So the Lord spoke to me again. He said, don't worry about the money. You just do the work. God is faithful. God is faithful. Like I said, we've probably spent close to 100000 now. We're not done. We're going to spend more. Because God has been faithful to us. I am just absolutely thrilled Today we've come to a milestone in this church and, and uh, God's faithfulness to this local body. So it's been less than two years ago, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce our guests if they would just come up here this morning, the Perrys. Would you walk up here? and God bless them. God right here, man. He worked. He worked a special deal for us. He helped put the roof on for me. <laughs> he did a good job. Sorry, we had to cover it up. You know, we we have a lot of good memories. Yeah, you do. It's a wonderful building. It's a good thing to remember. You people are the church, and may the Lord bless you. Bless you guys. We're going to do something today that I've never done before. I've never been in a service that we have done this. Today, we hand over a check for 112500 and that is the total payoff of this church. <laughs> I thank the Lord. God is faithful. Amen. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Well, we can just post it back there. I'll put it back on the bulletin where people can see it. Amen. Isn't that awesome? 
Isn't that awesome? Thank the Lord, you know. I, I was trying to do this, you know, in a way that, um, that it would, yeah, go ahead and sit down, in a way that it would be uh, a surprise. And I wouldn't, sh- I wouldn't ask for hands this morning how many didn't know, but, man, I'm going to tell you what. I'm on cloud nine. That's why I preach this morning. God is faithful. You start in your living room. This is my second time. It's, you know, when we paid off the plane. <laughs> it been there twice for the payoff. All right. Yeah. Amen. Anyway, the Lord bless you. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless. Thank you, fairies. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Whoa. And, and so they made up a plaque here, and I thank them for doing that, and they signed that, and it just shows our payments and what we did, and and you know what? I'm telling you what. You bunch of people are the greatest people on Rupert Street, except for the one on the corner. I don't know them. <laughs> but you you guys, this doesn't just happen. It's because people faithfully support, they faithfully give, and they faithfully part of the kingdom of God. We are excited in the Lord this morning. So now, this church doesn't belong to PCG. This church belongs to the people of this body, Echoes of Calvary body. Everybody say amen. Isn't that great? Awesome. 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 Thank the Lord. God is faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Amen. It's been a, it's been a long trip, and a lot of you have taken it with us. And uh, me and Kay, we were just excited. She's crying this morning. I was too. And God has been good to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Our children who are going to take this place over and their children who are going to take it over. The Lord's just going to bless. Amen. Brother James, are we okay? Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I almost don't want to go from here to eat. This is so good. It's like we're just relishing the moment, you know. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But, Sister Debbie, will you come back? And we're going to sing that song, which I was going to sing, and Rodney beat me to it. And he, hey, would you come up and help me too, Rodney? And 